0: hello and welcome to the socialworldpodcast.com your host is Dave Niven today's show is sponsored by David Niven Associates
1: well hello there and welcome to the social world podcast I'm Dave Niven and uh, this is the podcast all for social work and social care. Now it can be found on our website, the socialworldpodcast.com. If you go into the iTunes store and go to Podcasts, it can be found there on Stitcher and on Podfeed. And of course you can keep in touch with us at Dave Niven on Twitter, as well as emails. Now thanks this week, Andrew Ellery on LinkedIn. Many thanks for your welcome comment. And Jess Neely on Twitter. That was lovely of you. Thanks very much indeed. And I'll take into consideration what you've asked for. Now, it's been a busy week in the media for social work. And so I thought I'd try and reflect some of the issues. I ended up giving several interviews on television and radio on matters dear to our hearts. And so I've put three of them here, and I'll try and comment around all of them. And they all throw up. Dilemmas and challenges that we struggle with every day, not least when they're reported by a media that doesn't always understand our work. Oh, and by the way, please, if you could, complete the survey on the website about how social work is perceived in the media and what you think needs to happen to improve it. That would really help us. It's easy. It's a fairly easy to fill in service, but it really would be very useful getting your opinions. Now, the first interview that I want to uh, let you listen to reflects in the light of the report showing that some mothers who had uh, many, many children all removed at birth and the questions that were raised about why that is and what should or could change and the role of the social worker in the whole uh, process. I mean, uh, the, the people interviewing The person interviewing me actually was considering, you know, was very sort of robust about it, and for some reason thought that social workers should uh, should have intervened and stopped people having children. Well, I'm not quite sure about that, but they were certainly quite keen to find out why what they thought was a fairly shocking report actually happened. So let's have a listen to that one.
0: David Niven is a child protection expert and a former chair of the British Association of Social Workers and joins us now from our Bristol studio. Thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Uh, There's clearly something very wrong with a system that allows women into this cycle of having more babies and having more children taken into care.
1: Well of course and anything that improves it has got to be welcomed but um, you've got to see it from the other point of view, from the child's point of view as well. If if that child whatever number of child the, the woman has had, is going into a destructive, very risky uh, environment. People have got to take steps to remove the child. And as we don't live in any kind of society, thankfully, that um, that uh, suggests that we actually sterilize certain people who are preventing them from having children, then unfortunately at the moment that's how it is. However, the initiative to do with the new family drugs and alcohol uh, courts where... Um, people with serious substance abuse problems or other issues such as chronic domestic violence, etc., can actually now uh, get some different kind of help is to be welcomed. Uh,
0: What other solutions though should we be looking at? Surely if courts are seeing the same people coming back again, the authorities, social workers should be doing more to address the fundamental problems that these women are facing?
1: Well, I mean, they have been, and um, possibly what you're quoting there in terms of the figures are also the ones that social workers don't manage to work with. I mean, let's remember that um, social workers in England and Wales work with, well, I believe 600,000 families every year, and so the proportion of families that they don't manage to help is actually reasonably small, although any, of course, are are not to be welcomed. But if I could just say about the um, drug and alcohol courts that uh, I was at the conference where... Justice Munby, the head of the family division, announced that he was very pleased with the initial findings of this court where judges sit alone, no lawyers, social workers are present, and specialist teams actually now are working with families who are extremely dysfunctional, as the ones you described were, and they're showing some success. They're showing some positive guidelines, but that's because more resources have been put into this, and hopefully we can um, now measure in about a year or so some very, very positive outcomes. But don't we need the courts to be doing
0: more to ensure that more happens when cases like this keep coming up before them? Surely these people should not be left to return to the same situation time and again, people will be quite shocked at some of these figures of people who have had 15 children taken from them, and uh, 15 babies and, and 15 k- babies taken from them.
1: I know it's dramatic, it's terrible and for the children of course it's, it's quite a very kind of um, uh, shocking as well but at the same time all I would say is that with the current system that's available where if you go to court, I mean remember social workers can't remove children, they have to go through courts and when they go through courts everybody's got a right of being involved including the courts themselves who appoint guardians who answer to the court who are there specifically for the children and all measures are looked at, all possible resources are looked at, all plans are looked at to try and stop children coming into care because nobody wants more children in care if it can possibly be avoided but if it's decided that these children are at grave risk from families where they're heavily into substance abuse, domestic violence, alcoholism, you name it, and where the child effectively is living in a very, very risky environment, then decisions have to be made on behalf of the child. Okay, David Niven, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Well, you'll have heard that one. And, uh, I mean, my reaction was I, I, I couldn't understand in some ways why... The interviewer on television there, well, I didn't particularly get the idea that uh, she seemed to be advocating sterilization. And I'm not quite sure, well, you know, apart from the fact of the lack of resources within social work, what else social workers were meant to be doing to actually physically stop people having children. I think there's quite an issue there that when people see statistics like that about children being removed at birth, they somehow think that that should be stopped. Rather than we should be considering the risk aspects to the children. It's a tricky one, but uh, all over my career in social work I've come across a, a removal of birth maybe only uh, ten times and uh, each one is terribly traumatic. No matter what the, 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 the particular kind of condition of the parent is or how particularly out of it or neglectful or cruel or damaged the parent is, it's still is a terrible situation to remove a child from a parent but at the same time you have to consider the, uh, the need of the child and their whole childhood and life ahead of them. Now the second interview I did on radio was to do with an initiative in the UK from a charity called Kids Company who've commissioned a, a national independent inquiry into children's services and specifically Uh, children in the care system and children with mental health problems. And they've set up this independent inquiry and they've come out saying that the whole system is in crisis and chaos and social work to a large extent is failing young people and also that the figures for children in poverty are startling and huge and one in five children, they reckon, in this country is in poverty, and in the area that I did the interview, which is Bristol, they say that one in four children is living in poverty. And somehow or other, they were joining the two issues together, and it seemed to me that the suggestion was that social work, somehow or other, was responsible or was part of the actual kind of problem that why people were in poverty. Which to me is absolutely stupid. Social work, you know, are the, the peop- social workers are the people that try and alleviate difficulty and distress. And it's the austerity measures, in my view, that are causing all this trouble and causing social work not only to be understaffed, underfunded, and under resourced, but at the same time also causing an awful lot of problems when it comes to the the, the the how thinly we have to be spread in order to deal with what is a huge significant problem in this country. And people don't believe that it's so significant in the UK Uh, but it is. And so I'd like you to have a listen to this and uh, just have a think about how social work actually has to respond to this. My own view is it should be robust, but make up your own minds about how we can deal
2: with this. Well, let's dig into this one with David Niven, who is a former chairman of the British Association of Social Workers and a social care expert uh, based in bristol was good to chat with you david thanks for your time okay jeff hello this research says one child in four in bristol is growing up in poverty what's your kind of reaction to what you've heard over the last few minutes
3: well i mean the the the, the young woman that talked to you there i mean that is definitely a particularly distressing situation you know the the number of moves that she made in care and the difficulty that obviously that she's had and uh, obviously the poignant my memories of her own birth mother there's such a tragic story that the the bit about the poverty i think you know i've seen the figures and they're saying that one in four in bristol but that's not that a part of it, I don't think, is down to social services. That, that's a major national government problem to do with the way that so many people in our society are treated and almost discarded. And so when you get to social services and the work that they have to do with young people in care or for young people coming into care for all sorts of different reasons, they really need to have the resources that they need to actually deal with some of the most vulnerable and damaged young people in our, in our society, and they haven't got it. The austerity measures that this particular administration has put in has really cut into the way that we actually can service those that need the help the most And so you've got vacancies and so you've got over caseloads that are much higher than they should be. And so you've got less time and ability to properly manage. The social workers in Bristol are actually among the best. And they are probably really hanging in there because they really need help too. They need more support, more um, money put into it. And Bristol Council, it's not their fault. They've had to make the cuts that the government's demanded. So it's something that we have to say to ourselves, look, are the children who are looked after in society that are, are they valuable enough, more valuable than some of the other material things that this government puts money into? My view is yes, they are and should be funded properly. And the professionals that deal with them properly should be involved with this new initiative, which is fine as long as it comes up with things that involve the professionals, the social workers on the front line, involves them in making the changes. Then that's okay. But yeah, as far as the poverty is concerned, That's not down to social services, that's going to national policy.
2: I mean, Kids Company are launching this national task force. Um, A, is it their responsibility, should they be the ones behind this? Um, And what will it achieve? What could it achieve? Well, I'm not sure
3: that it should have been left down to them. But, you know, as long as they involve, as I said the people on the front line, the social services. And they also, I believe, when talked about um, adolescent mental health services, which are in a state of flux, I do gather that, that you know there's not certainly not enough resources there and waiting lists are very long. So effectively, they shouldn't have had to do it, but if they've done it, let's make sure that they include all the people who are relevant and who can help make the changes and put them into action. But the government should really be stepping in here and actually, like I said, Who's the most valuable? Young people in our society, the poor and the starving of, you know, in our society who effectively are being swept under the carpet sometimes, or the, some of the material things that the government chooses to spend money
2: on? Well, I know where my vote goes. Yes, yeah, sure thing. Um, I mean, the government's promised to end child poverty by 2020, David. Um, is that on schedule and is that achievable?
3: I doubt it. I think it's still as far too ambitious, and I haven't seen enough um momentum in in initiatives to actually suggest that that's possible and i doubt if there's many very very many people in the field who you talk to would actually agree that that's now on target i mean you're only talking another five years and yet you're talking about figures about five million people in this country who are considered to be in poverty um i just think that the stats don't add up and the balance is just too too bad And the the cuts to public service spending where it's needed are just too deep. I think, and and I believe George, George Osborne's talked about these cuts going on for years to come still while they try and balance the books. I'm sorry, but I just get very angry about this, seeing the bankers now who caused all this problem in the first place still getting all their bonuses and goodness knows what else. And people like the social workers who are working their socks off on the front line effectively having to do with scraps to try
2: and do their job. It really is very imbalanced. Okay, David Niven, always good to chat with you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. David Niven, former chairman of the British Association of Social Workers, a social care expert based here in Bristol.
1: Okay, so that was um, my response to the, um, the question of this national inquiry. I mean, it is a good idea. But they really have to, what I kept on trying to repeat, include social work, because we're the professionals involved in this every day. And effectively, we need to be consulted. And there needs to be frontline input into it, as well as um, opportunities to kind of shape the future. But it doesn't sound to me... The government's not backing or not involved in this, as far as I know. This is being done independently. But it has got a lot of momentum behind it. So I think, really, we've got to press that social work gets involved in this inquiry and uh, has its input. I mean, and once you get rid of the issue that uh, with more resources, an awful lot more can be done, then we can also talk about how what can be done can be improved. And I'm sure that social workers up and down the country have got plenty of good ideas that they're just sitting on, but unable to implement because they're so busy rushing around just trying to sort of keep their heads above water at the moment because of this lack of resources lack of actual filling of posts and, to be quite frank, lack of funding. And, I mean, it really makes you quite angry when people don't realise that and go ahead and somehow or other imply that social work is to blame as much as uh, the fact that the the national situation is to blame for poverty. Anyway, then we went on later on in the week to talk about uh, a national scandal which people in the UK are so familiar with, unfortunately, at the moment. But outside the UK, you might not know it. But it's to do with uh, a man by the name of Jimmy Savile, who um, was a very famous uh, disc jockey, a DJ and presenter on television and so forth for, oh, 50 years. And only after he died, as it turned out, and reports were all published this week, that he effectively has abused 500-plus People over the over the period of time that he was uh, um, in action, something and between very very young to very very old, sexually abused them, and it was terrible. And people, because of his celebrity status, somehow either didn't see or didn't want to see what he was up to, and he used his status unashamedly to get by people and so the reports this week have been particularly damning particularly uh, terrible and and hundreds of 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 victims have come forward and told their story and it was very harrowing some of the stuff that we've heard and so what the, the talk today was about what social work could do but I mean, at the end of the day, there wasn't a specific social work presence on that inquiry. And that was something that did concern me, because social workers often have to pick up the pieces afterwards. So I talked about the scale of it. We, Although the health secretary actually apologised on behalf of all of the victims, which was something. We talked of hope. That had to be done now. We talked about uh, the relevance to social work and encouraging people to come forward. That, For my mind, if anything good's coming out of this, it's not only the question of putting institutions, because it was mainly hospitals and institutions that he operated in, that if anything's coming out of this, one of the good things is that the fact that people should be now encouraged to come forward if they've been sitting there years on, Um, not having the courage or the confidence to come forward and tell their story about abuse, historic abuse, and there's so much of that all over the world um, where people have been abused and kept quiet because either they're frightened or they're concerned or they don't think they'll be believed or they're too embarrassed or it's too awkward or whatever, or in this case, and others, Person's been a celebrity, and people think, Oh, they won't believe me because he's just so famous, they'll, they'll, they'll just think I'm making it up or money grabbing or whatever. So, then I, I went on to talk a little bit more about the, um, the, the idea that we, we do child protection um, plans for places, for institutions, and for organizations. We do child abduction plans for organizations and places and physical buildings, but we don't do physical building risk assessments enough. And that's something that we've been doing. I did, I did one for a science park a few weeks ago. And just looking at um, places where CCD TV isn't uh, pointed, places where signage could be improved, places where children, uh, adults might take advantage of children or other more vulnerable adults and just opportunities to groom them or to get information about them so that they can follow it up later. And just little parts like that so the staff can be trained a bit more and be the eyes and ears to protect the children on the front line. And so this, this help for victims also was a crucial part of it. I hoped that the inquiries today focused on the fact that every single one of this guy, Jimmy Savile's victims, uh, could get the suitable counselling and the suitable therapeutic support that was necessary now and it would be different for many different people but whatever it was that the individual needed they got because they've got to now live with it not only for the rest of their lives but they've also some of them been living it for, with it for decades already and so the, the untangling of that is just enormous and so the therapeutic support I felt was crucial but celebrity abusers is not a new factor but it is certainly dominating our airwaves at the moment and I just want people to be aware of the fact of where social, so social work can play a part because it's not all about law enforcement. It's not all about therapy. It's all about working with families left behind as well. If you like, the, the unseen victims, the, the, there's the direct victims and then there's their families as well where the impact of abuse on a family member is just enormous and social workers have to wrestle with that so much. So I just wanted to, people to be aware of that In the light of these inquiries being published today. So, have a listen to this one. Thank you.
4: Jimmy Savile, because his sexual offending in NHS hospitals is going to be laid out in a series of reports later this morning. England's Health Secretary, Jeremy Hunt, is expected to apologise on behalf of the system for what happened. There will been reports issued into 28 different hospitals, including Cardiff Royal Infirmary. Let's speak to David Niffen, who's a child protection expert and a former chairman of the British Association of Social Workers. Good morning to you.
3: Morning,
4: Mike. Um, we've heard so much um, since this first came to light about what Jimmy Savile did. What are we expecting from these reports today?
3: Well, I hope a lot, to be honest with you, because there's um, so many questions and so many people and so many institutions involved. It's it's a massive, massive landscape that they're having to report on. But although I haven't seen, obviously, the report, I don't think anybody has yet, but um, I could tell you what I hope to come out of it, which um, essentially is they haven't got a brief that covers any criminal charges or any civil actions or anything like that. So that would be passed on to the police and to the courts, if if any of the... Victims of Jimmy Savile um, wanted to take things further. But my first hope is that all the people that wanted to come forward have come forward. That's number one. Um, Number two, if there are any who haven't, through whatever reason, managed to come forward, I hope that they are still encouraged to do so. Secondly, I'd like to think that all people at all institutions that were involved, and, and to be quite frank with you, any others, would actually have further training programs put in place just to try and tackle some of the, um, some of the abuses that took place and some of the, the tricks that Saville played using his celebrity status in this case. But anybody can trick mm. people to try and abuse vulnerable people or children, and, and there are plenty of ways that institutions can have further training to help their staff recognise these things when they occur.
4: I imagine you're hoping that some of these reports at least will identify how Savile managed to do this, or opportunities that were missed to confront him over this over 50 years.
3: I know, it's incredible, isn't it? You're talking about four different um, bodies that oversaw all these institutions over all the years that Savile was actually involved in abusing people. Uh, I mean, so you're looking at all sorts of different policies, practices, needs for, you know, re-examination of training, re-examination of um, well, physical re-examination. My, my my company, we do physical risk assessments of um, places where children and vulnerable people go so that they can at least be helped not to be preyed on even momentarily by people who want to gain information towards abusing them or even abuse them on the spot.
4: What do you mean by physical risk assessments of the building?
3: Yes, of the building as well. I mean, you know, you, you, you do uh, you do child abduction risk assessments as well, and you also do child protection training and vulnerable adult training for staff. That's, that's quite normal. But I'm also thinking of physical... Um, risk assessments of buildings, you know, where there are places not covered by CCTV, where there are places where there aren't proper signage that puts people off, where the staff aren't trained to spot uh, odd behaviour, or people who are deliberately seem to be kind of targeting young people or vulnerable adults. And, I mean, in in Savile's case, I mean, the celebrity status was the X factor, wasn't it? You know, the fact that uh, everybody ignored him because they thought he must be a good guy because of all his celebrity work. But um, the average person who wants to abuse people um, needs to also be remi- remembered by the staff and, and places in these institutions who can learn better how to spot these things. And if I could just say, sorry, one final thing. That very, can you very briefly, if that's all right, David? Help for the victims. I'm, I'm, I want to see in these reports that everybody that came forward has been offered the best help and therapeutic support to actually get past this. So traumatic. It's so life-changing, mm. and this will stay with them for the rest of their lives. So I hope it does focus on that as well as the blame part that it's going to obviously have to talk about. Yeah.
4: Thank you for joining us today, David. That's David Niven, child protection expert, former chairman of the British Association of Social Workers.
1: Well, that's the interviews for this week. I hope you found them useful. Um, I on on the last one there with the Jimmy Savile thing, I. I couldn't emphasise the need for training and education high, more highly. I, I just think that the, the, the amount of training that many um, staff get in several places is, is not adequate enough to keep them fresh and to keep them sharp when it comes to being the eyes and ears for child protection and vulnerable adult protection. I really do think they need refreshing courses far more frequently. So that was what's dominating things this week. I mean, in in my view, too, we need to hear much more, many more, many more social workers actually talking on air, explaining what they do, talking to the media in all its forms. And uh, so uh, we're launching an initiative and we're going to start offering to um, employers of social workers soon the opportunity for media training for the basic grade frontline social workers. Not suggesting that they have to face the cameras in a crisis, what we're suggesting is that they are encouraged to face the cameras with the good news stories and we know there are good news, there's plenty of good news stories, plenty of successes that social work achieves and it would be brilliant for local communities to hear social workers explaining what they did and how they went about it and how they actually improved the quality of people's lives. If there's a crisis or if there's a challenge or if there's a sort of a serious incident, then of course it should be senior managers that are talking to the media because they have got the responsibility and they should be seen to be explaining themselves. And so we would offer um, uh, support for social workers um, uh, if their employers would go along with this and actually in facing local media and talking to them and explaining what they do and possibly support in reputation management, crisis management for others uh, within uh, the senior levels of social services. So I do think there should be far more exposure. The door's opening a bit, but it needs to be far wider. Our thanks, as always, this week to Alba Digital Media for helping us put this podcast together. Please have a look at their website. Please... uh, Ask them to help you because they are something special. And uh, at the end of it all this week, we'll look forward to another week. I hope not another such a, a busy week in the media with challenges to social work, but that's the way it's going these days. And I suppose you could say at least it gives some of us a chance to explain what social work does and what the social work perspective on the world is. Anyway, thank you very much indeed for listening. See you soon.